0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Athlete Tech Group Unplugged podcast. I'm your host Randy Osei and today we're joined by serial entrepreneur, music lover, father and husband and probably the one guy who will tell you if you're really walking funny through his company Plantiga, Quinn Sandler. Quinn it's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh man! As always, whenever we get on Zoom, I always tell you I like the slick back. It it, it does something, dude. Nice fade.
1: I, you have to. <laughs> I don't know if I it's got this because... haircut for you, by the way. Just so you know, just yesterday I was like, I got, I just got to look fresh, you know. <laughs> Absolutely,
0: you know, as 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 a man that's bald, you know, when I see <laughs> hair put together nicely, I can appreciate it. You know I don't, I don't i don't have those luxuries anymore um how have you been especially you know seeing that we're i think we're entering into wave two of covid um you know we're going back to isolation and so on and so forth but how's quinn doing
1: um i'm doing pretty well man i uh, our company we have you know a couple people in the office most of us are working from home I feel like the second wave on like a macro global economic uh, world is just kind of crazy. And I try my best to be safe and, and uh, you know, social distance respect the guidelines, but you know, me personally, I'm doing pretty well, you know, I'm, life's good. That's good. Now, how has
0: COVID uh, impacted, you know, your, your business? Have you guys had to, obviously everyone's working from, well, not everyone, but majority of your, your, your uh, your employees are working from home, but how has it in- impacted the business? Have you guys had to put more money into digital marketing? Have you had to focus on client retention? Have you put more energy into, you know, sales strategies and reselling, subscribing? What changes have you made from a business perspective?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So we have a sensor in Seoul and a suite of analytics that we sell to practitioners and teams and groups and physical therapy groups obviously physical therapy and a lot of sports med groups in our customer base has been affected by COVID. So we have had several customers, probably not several, like five, six or seven that have had to pause their subscription. So that sucks. That sucks for them. That's not good for us. So it's definitely impacted some of the business. Now on the flip side though, we've also been able to get kind of a new set of customers that are trying to differentiate themselves in the post COVID uh, world. So Picking up customers that are like performance centers or or physical therapy groups that are trying to differentiate their group in Texas. Let's say we just picked up a, a big customer in Dallas. So I find that it's kind of we've lost some that have that have struggled. Others seem to be doing um, doing all right. Uh, but then there's just like interesting things like we don't travel, so we're we're having a booth at the National Strength Co um, Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association, which is a really big conference. But it's a, it's a virtual conference this year. So we have a virtual booth. And at first I was kind of skeptical, but when I saw the booth and I saw how the designer made the background and our little PDF and video, I kind of thought it was pretty cool, actually. And it doesn't require us having to take flights to Florida and, you know, ship gear there. So I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So there's changes, some good, some bad.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, talking about you know your 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 travel changes. Um, you're known to fly between Vancouver and San Fran a, lot, a yeah. lot. Given the travel challenges, how have you adjusted to remain connected to both worlds still?
1: I think doing a lot of this. I think a lot of zooms. I think mm-hmm. making sure that we get face to face with. So we count. I don't know seven, eight, nine, ten investors from the Valley. Lots of customers. Uh, planning on setting up an office there Um, hopefully kind of early next year in a financing round right now I would be going to San Francisco and really hitting the pavement in the South Bay area and just like hustling that's not really going on but I am doing a version of like a roadshow just a zoom roadshow so you know I feel like with modern technology is the only reason why in a pandemic we're able to still progress so to be honest with you, I kind of miss traveling. Like, I really love getting on planes. I love seeing new cities. I like, I, you know, I've spent, you know, months and months in San Francisco. I just love it. So I miss it. I miss the people, but, uh, you know, adapting.
0: Absolutely. Now, you know, cutting those costs on those roadshows and the flights and the hotels and uh, upgrading to first class and, you know, getting that wine. Have you guys uh, repositioned, I guess, some of those expenses to, other parts of the businesses to help grow?
1: Oh, totally. So for me, what has been mind-blowing is Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> so we have our head of applied science is a guy named Dr. Matt Jordan. So Matt Jordan's on podcast too. He's like a big, he's an amazing man, but like a, has done a lot of work around research on asymmetries and injury prevention and ACLs and performance. So what's just been amazing is when he'll do a post on Instagram about our product, we will just get a lot of just general interest and inbound. And then when we pump some of those posts, we get even more, which then lead to sales. So I think what's been really fascinating for me is, yeah, we've taken some of that and are driving that more into social media where a lot of our kind of community and our practitioners that we interact with and our customers live. And that's kind of relatively recent last four or five months. So yes, definitely taking what we would have spent on travel uh, and all that stuff and driving it into marketing, but in areas that I am seeing direct impact, like, wow, did I not realize like, you know, I on Instagram personally and you got your friends and I post pictures mm-hmm. of my kid and I'm a happy dad, but like for business, I don't know, man, it might be the best platform around. It's amazing. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: Wow. Are you using any special apps or are you just promoting, no. promoting, promoting?
1: And Not even like, you know, let's say we do a post on a feature that our sensor insoles. So let's say ground contact time, which is used a lot in sprinting. So football and basketball, like they will measure it. We'll do a post where we just describe how our system measures ground contact time and how you can implement it and why it's valuable. And then just with a little bit of like boosting, that just naturally gets a lot of people asking for demos, a lot of people asking for more info. So it's kind of genuine, like we're not overthinking it, we're just really, and we're making videos in our office, my biomechanists and my sports med uh, um, person are just kind of making them, them themselves kind of guerrilla style and, you know, you don't really need, you know, all the all the fancy stuff, I think yeah. I'm learning more and more.
0: You're definitely bootstrapping, love it. Totally. Absolutely bootstrapping, as you should, as you should, as you wow. continue to to grow
1: a venture-backed startup. And I, I would almost think like, you don't need to go bigger, you know, like, like you don't really need, people don't really care about like the crazy studio with the big lights. Like they care about the content Like like, what are you saying? That's important.
0: Right. 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 How has being a serial entrepreneur adjusted your outlook on life as a whole?
1: That's a good question. Um, I guess I've always said so. I've been self-employed since I left high school. So I was 18. I'm 37 now. Um, I just would never go work for someone. I feel like there are opportunities everywhere in literally anything. I got friends of mine that are professional musicians that have won Junos. I got other friends of mine that work in design companies or like I just the world is just you know our oyster. So I think being a serial entrepreneur and having had businesses where I did branding and identity and then I did you know this company and then I did like a tutoring uh, tech company there's just there's money to be made everywhere so you know I guess being a serial entrepreneur now let's say for whatever reason Plantiga didn't exist today I would just go and start something else you know like I just feel that I would never go and knock on the door of some big company and want to work there. It's like the last thing that I would want to do so I guess that's kind of how it's most impacted me is I just, I just wouldn't go back. Not that I've ever really worked for anybody, but I used to bartend, but I don't even call that working. Because <laughs> <laughs> you could, you could actually increase
0: your, your own revenue through tips, right? So that's, that's kind of, I kind I was an entrepreneur. Of,
1: I bartended for years. Yeah, exactly. I, do, I used to work at a bar where I don't think I was even on payroll. I just showed up to bartend for the tips and you um, to- just because my friend owned the place. <laughs> so, you know, that's not even really a job.
0: Absolutely. You know, that hustle and bustle of entrepreneurship is, is, is like no other. Um, totally. And you talked about, you know, opportunities being out there and um, there's tons of them. And I, I feel the, the, the modern day entrepreneur is now different. Right. There are new problems yeah, totally. to be solved. Um, you know, COVID has flipped the world upside down and things that we were doing, we we're not allowed to do. Right. I, I'm in Ontario as of 1201 last night, you're not allowed to have dinner in, in a restaurant. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That happened to be changing. So what happens now? Obviously Uber's alive and Uber eats, but if you're a restaurant owner, you better start get ordering those, uh, styrofoam plates and, and cups and downsizing as much as you can because if you don't, you'll you'll be out of business. So You'd be out of business. Well, I, I I love that 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 point that you, you brought up. Um, now you also talked about friends being uh, artists and winning Junos and things like that. You yourself are a musician and artist. Yep. Uh, where are you finding inspiration these days? And can we hear? Do you have anything to play?
1: Can we hear? Uh, it? I don't have it lined up, but I can play you something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, let's let's
0: do it. Let's do it. I know Actually, this wasn't on the script. Let's do it. Okay.
1: You bet, man. Entrepreneur. I wonder if the audio is gonna come through. It should. Okay. Um, where do I find inspiration, dude? I write every day. Like I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I'm an entrepreneur in the daytime, and I'm a musician and artist at nighttime, kinda. So I still write music. I record music. I sing. Um, you know, I, uh, I just, I, I feel most at home when I'm creating. And in fact, mm-hmm. I take a lot of that into Plantiga as well, where I do a lot of the graphic design, a lot of the branding we ever have a designer, maybe more, I'm like a creative director, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I absolutely love that stuff. Um, sorry, I'm just going to bring up my, so yeah, it's just it's kind of how I live. There's a great quote by Winston Churchill during the second world war when they were pushing them of why he didn't cut funding to the arts. Um, and he was like very stern and was like, well, then what are we fighting for? Mm. Right? Like if that's not a part of our culture, like what's the point? Um, okay. I'm going to play some of this music. This is a song I wrote called got nothing to show you. I'm singing, I'm playing bass. I'm playing, Acoustic guitar, I'm playing it all, actually. I guess it's through my headphones, so you can't even hear it. Hold on. You can't. How would I change the audio? You know what? Let's not do that. Maybe I'll send you the audio and you can, like... And we can insert it. it. Yeah, Yeah, Moose, we're going to
0: insert this. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going. Okay. Um, So... You know, you, you mentioned this baby. You have a baby. Yeah. I, do have a
1: baby. <laughs> I do have a baby at home. Uh, little boy, little girl. Little boy. Oh, I'm going to be a proud father. Little boy guy. His name's Atticus. He Atticus. is what does that just mean? a gem of a human being.
0: What does Atticus he, mean? I feel like it means like warrior or something.
1: Atticus actually by definition just means for a man from Attica. Mm. Um, this is the little guy right there.
0: Whoa, look at those cheeks. <laughs> oh, dude, he's the best. He's, he's nine
1: months old. Atticus, by definition, just means the man from Attica. Atticus Finch was a very famous character in To Kill a Mockingbird. He was the lawyer um, that fought for civil rights. Um, That's actually not why we named it. I just love the name Atticus. And then people told me, that. I'm like, oh, I've not even read that book. But awesome. I'm so glad that it alive. Um, So, yeah, that's a little man, nine months I never thought I'd be that uh, father that when, you know, I used to see my friends on social media, the second they have a kid, they just start posting about their kid. I'm like, fuck man. Sorry. excuse my language. <laughs> no,
0: you're good. I was like, could
1: you just like, you know, unfollow now that I'm a dad, it's all I post. I don't care. And if you want to, if you want to unfollow me, you do it. Okay. Cause this is what's happened on my channel.
0: Wow. That's Anyways. beautiful. He a uh, very, very handsome little boy. Um, so obviously, you know, raising a child during a pandemic, you know, what's that been like for you and running a, a business and now opening up around as well yeah. for Plantiga?
1: You know, I'd say there's the silver lining to the pandemic was the fact that I got to be around my son a lot, right? So I was working from home. He, I think the pandemic, he was born January 15th and we started working from home end of March. So February, he might have been two months old. Um, so I feel like I had a lot of intimate time where me and him, like, he loves me, man. When I come home, he lights up, and we love hanging out together. I don't think all fathers have that with their sons, especially if they're working a bunch. So I felt very fortunate that we have had this time together. And in fact, it's kind of changed my perspective. I never thought I'd be one that wanted to really work from home. But even now, I'm working from home one or two days a week, and then I'm into the office now for, for, for three. So no, it's, uh, it's been great. Um. Yeah, like the pandemic's been weird. It hasn't really, like it's affected our business for sure. But we also make a technology which is like about remote monitoring. And we have, you know, teams of ours in the NBA that are doing remote monitoring with a player that's in a whole other different state. So I feel like we're one of the technologies and kind of in that bucket that is kind of getting a bump from this. So it's Mm -hmm. not been... You know, it's not like the center of our business has fallen out. If anything, people are almost more aware. Oh, okay. So I could be monitoring with your insoles, my athlete, when they're in Germany, but I'm over here. Okay. Like I, I I see this, this is very valuable. So yeah, we've, again, like it's been hard in some areas, but it's been really positive in others, personally and professionally. Absolutely. Now tell us about Plantigo. We haven't even talked about it.
0: We don't even know what it is yet.
1: Plantica, I, uh, I reference us as a, as a human intelligence company. So we have built a very high powered, uh, high sampling rate sensor insole um, and a suite of analytics that do a number of things around predicting performance, predicting the presence of an injury, predicting uh, rehab and predicting the loads on the body. So our sensor insole measure things like running, walking, jumping, the ability to change direction. And I think where we really differentiate ourselves is we built out a data science and data analytics team that really has used a lot of machine learning and AI, which underpins everything that we do. So our speed algorithm. So like, as an example, if I'm a coach and I wanted to measure speed a laughing, I have to set up timing gates they're clunky, they're expensive, sometimes they don't work, our insoles measure speed within about 2% of the accuracy of timing, which is negligible. So we have been able to do some things around the metrics, the accuracy, and then some of the predictions as well around performance output and around different types of injury subtypes, which I think really differentiates ourselves, um, And ultimately, we're pushing to get our sensor insoles and our analytics and our predictive uh, algorithms embedded into footwear. So we're a firm believer that in the next four to five years, the vast majority of footwear that you buy at Foot Locker or Atmosphere, wherever, is going to ship with sensors and analytics. Um, What's interesting is nobody owns that future. So right now we sell into you know, sports teams in elite performance environments. So we count five teams in the NBA and three in the NFL, four teams in major league baseball, and that's growing. And then we sell a bunch into the military. Uh, so Canadian department of national defense, the U S DOD, again, those contracts have been amazing in COVID too, because that's resilient to anything. Um, we're just about to move into a police force for our very first one, where we offer screening and baselining and tracking after rehab. Uh, and then we sell a lot into practitioner-owned businesses. So physical therapy, sports med groups, clinics, um, and the like. So that's kind of us. We're a team of 17 based in Vancouver. Uh, and yeah, it's like we're on track to almost a million dollars that did this year. In an annual run rate, which is good, so we're definitely we're definitely growing, and I feel like we're just starting.
0: Absolutely, and you talked about it. This this the the pandemic has created this digital transformation um, that's been excel Not created, it's accelerated it. Yeah, and uh, you talked about how your technology is now being heightened because totally um, within the sports and athletic space. (laughs) The the example you gave. Makes so much sense, right? Think about all the athletes that were in the bubble, um, but couldn't get access to, you know, their head trainer that they work with at home. Totally, like, hey, I can't be with you, but work out today and I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> we'll have a call later and I'll, 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 I'll I can give
1: a great example too. Like, I won't use his name, but he's a captain of an NHL team, okay? So okay. he's using our system. He's back in Michigan where he lives and his kind of head athletic trainer guy runs his performance. Um, is giving him a program to do because he's rehabbing a very kind of bad hip and a messed up knee. Um, So he's doing walk testing at home. He's wearing our insoles when he's doing um, going for runs. They're doing jump testing. That data then is looked at on our platform. Uh, Reports are made, shares it with the surgeon. And our data kind of becomes a little bit of the um, almost the unified discussion talking points because they can see: Are his asymmetry is getting better? Is he walking a little bit faster? How is he running? How is he jumping? And especially because we have pre-injury data as well. Now we have baseline data. So really, that's kind of a model that um, I think is gonna like has never existed to be able the ability to like measure biomechanics like an actual gait lab or performance lab, but in a mobile setting anywhere. You know, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely opened our eyes up to almost how we should prioritize a little bit. Like right now I sell to a, a clinic or a group or a team, but to prioritize getting our system into the hands of the end athlete as quickly as we can, and then they share that data with their coach or their physical therapist or their surgeon or their, you know, uh, college that they're going to go try out for, but like it's the athlete that owns that data and then they share it with whomever they want. And I feel like that's going to that's a right now about to shift.
0: Absolutely. The COVID's brought forth this thought and theory around the quantified self. Yeah. Right. Where we want to know everything. We want to yeah. understand how many times our heart beats in a day. How do we sleep? How many times do we hit REM? This version of quantified self is going to continue to be heightened. And I really see, you know, Plantiga doing some very, very interesting things in the, in the coming years, really. Um, with data being so important in sport, do you see, you know, typical tech jobs like data scientists, becoming more common for uh, professional sports teams?
1: Oh, totally. So we work with a team, and this is in baseball, but they literally have 10 data scientists, biomechanists, like applied, like they like they do machine learning themselves, it's crazy. But then we work with an NBA team that only has one. Mm. So, I, while I do think it is gonna become a staple, I do believe that there's a little bit more hype. Oh yeah, like all these teams are gonna get data. It's actually kinda hard, it, you know, like, Professional teams try their best to do sports medicine and, and research, but it is very difficult because teams the, and like a, a performance staff at a team might only be there for two years. A new GM comes in and they kind of fire them all, and a whole new group comes in, and right. the players are come. So it's kind of hard to implement um, that higher end, um, I guess, process or systems, and they all try, which is great. And I don't critique it, I just can see that it's hard to do. Um, but yes, where there didn't, there wasn't this understanding of a data scientist working for a sports team, even 10 years ago, now it is going to be a mainstay. And again, over the next five or 10 years, you're not going to see a team that doesn't have a data science group for sure. Um,
0: absolutely. Yeah. No, I, 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 I definitely agree. Um, data is <laughs> taken over data the world. Is the new oil. Yeah. It's literally the you new know? oil. I love that data is the new oil. You put oil in everything. Our hair. You put
1: oil, yeah. And also, car. it's like the value of oil. When they found oil and they would like tap a mine, it was just billions of dollars. Like data is the new oil. That's not my term. I think I took it from Kevin Kelly, um, one of the uh, editors at Wired magazine. I think. I think it was from Kevin Kelly, but yeah. Sure. Like as soon as he said that term, I was like, yes, that's that what sense. it is.
0: Data is the new oil. Love yeah. that. Love that. Love that. Now. Where do you see, you know, the evolution of wearables happening in sports? I know, I know your product isn't predominantly for athletes. No, 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 no. Um, I'm
1: happy to talk about that. mm -hmm. Like I, you know, I have a new definition of athlete. Our product is for athletes as a corporate athlete, an 80 year old could be an athlete. There's pro athletes, there's amateur athletes. I think an athlete is more of a, a broader definition of like someone who's trying to optimize, Be healthy, be the best they can be. So in that sense, you know, we are for athletes, whether they're an 80 year old or, or a 14 year old. Um, What do I think wearables? So I might be biased. And this is obviously why we built Plantiga, but I think wearables all over the body are going to start to disappear. And I think they're going to become, they need to be unobtrusive. They're going to be embedded in clothing or they're going to be embedded in shoes. I really think no one is going to be wearing heart rate monitoring straps and things on their wrist and things all over their body, even clipping it onto their waistband. I, or not to throw uh, GPS, but a lot of um, a lot of GPS tr- tr- tracking—they almost wear like a bra-like thing on their body and they put the whole thing on their back. Like, I don't think that that's going to be around all the much longer.
0: Yeah, that's the the mega wave. I know Canada yeah, basketball. Yeah, I just.
1: It. And again, I'm not trying to. Take, I just I think because I know because I interact with athletes. Like no athlete wants to put anything on their body. Like ultimately, they don't want to clip it on anywhere on their. So it needs to be embedded in their shoes or just Easy. in their clothing. Absolutely. You know? To add to that, you know, Canada basketball. Um,
0: was it? Was it Canada basketball? It was. It was one of these FIBA teams, and yeah. uh, some of their athletes were telling me like they would have to. Um, you know, the team doctor or the team uh, physician would come yeah. at six in the morning to take the thing off and, and collect its data. They said it was the most annoying thing ever because totally. once you're woken up at six, you can't go back to sleep. Totally. totally. Can't go back to sleep. So. I do think
1: the aura ring is cool. I like the fact of wearing a ring, and I know the NBA has um, mm-hmm. adopted that. But, again, unobtrusive, right? So I'm not saying that it's just forward, but, like, it needs to be unobtrusive. Like, in a ring, I think the whoop band's cool as well. Unobtrusive. Uh, and anything that goes beyond there um, is not going to go. I think the other side to this too is, and and I feel like I want to, like I I have to walk a fine line because we do interact with a lot of sports teams. Ultimately, I think the player owns the data. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, right? It is their health data. It's their movement data. It doesn't matter from what source. And I know that you have leagues and teams and agents that think slightly differently, but I don't agree with that. I think an athlete, ultimately should own everything that's collected on them and they give the ability to the organization or the coach or whomever to like okay you can look at my data but it's mine right Mm -hmm. so when we do at Plantiga, like we don't own the data right so we build a system we sell it to this like let's take this nhl player okay that's his data he can do with that data whatever he wants we don't own that That's his data. And I feel like that is a topic that needs to be right in line with wearables and how it's um, progressing and where it's going to go is like, who owns that data? And that data back to data is the new oil. That data is so powerful, power, especially longitudinally. Like imagine you see that data over one, two, three years. Um, Anyways, so I think that's a topic around the wearable a conversation that needs to be had more. And I would be the first in line to be like, no, the athlete owns that data. hundred percent. Nobody owns it but them.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you. I was was talking to, um, you know, one of my partners at the Athlete Tech Group and he works with a a wearable tech, uh, it's Predictive Health. Cool. And I said, well, what if we, what if we presented an opportunity for the athlete to present the data when it comes to contract negotiations. Totally. <laughs> right? Well, totally. hey, I'm actually worth ten million dollars a year and this, and this is, is why. why. Yeah. Be- yeah. Because I get eight hours of sleep per night. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. My sure nutrition's
1: great. Look at my blood sugar. My sugars. nutrition's
0: great. Look at my blood sugars. Yeah. Look at my yeah. ankles. Look at my, yeah. my, my, my feet. Right. Yeah. Look at um, my
1: footwork. Look at my speed, my ability to change direction. Look at my ground contact time. In fact, dude, I've had a team that did, didn't, didn't use Plantiga because mm-hmm. one of the athletes on the offensive line was like, I don't want to wear it. It's going to be used against me in contract negotiations. Now, is he wrong? Probably no, not. No. Right? No. No. So, sure, I'm not in some NFL team. I don't really care. But, like, what an interesting observation to be like the management wanted it, the team wanted it, the player didn't, and they have every right with the NFL PA to say no. Like, they have to opt in. So, if they said no, and then other offensive linemen said no, then we're not doing it.
0: Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Well, we have it recorded here. So, if it happens, we can IP yeah. it and say it's ours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, in a YouTube debate, you mentioned that that you mentioned the fact that in your world you need to out innovate your competition. Where do you see Plantiga competing with the big footwear brands? Or do you see yourself integrating, being acquired? How do you see yourself yeah. in the next couple of years?
1: So Back to kind of the ethos. So we make a sensor in sure, but it's basically electronics. It's a pod, okay? Right. And we've done a lot around the algorithms and the software and the processing of it and the AI ultimately needs to be embedded in footwear. So this is not novel. This is something that we think of. And I guarantee you Nike has 50 projects where they're working on this. I bet Under Armour has 10 of them. But you know what they don't have? They don't have the data sets that we have. Like I'm right. in five MBA teams our, our database just passed 1700 people in 45,000 data sets. Like Mm -hmm. we are really starting to make a push there. And once you realize that the data is the power, even if they recreated my hardware, they can't like, we're building a moat around the data and the insights like that's the differentiator. So, What I think is going to happen is one, we actually want to make a push to partner with footwear manufacturers. Like I don't want to run up against them. I want to use their pipeline and their distribution. Like let's take Nike. How amazing would it be for us to partner and build a concept shoe and put out 50,000 or a hundred thousand of them uh, in three years from now, you know, like I am trying to build collaborative relationships, but I also um, uh, realize that if we don't partner, we'll build our own shoe then. And I just know that that's where the world is going. Shoe electronics, algorithms, and insights—like that—is where the world is going. And I feel like we have a head start there to really be one of the dominant players. Um, and whether we partner, whether we do it ourselves, um, but like to that end, we're talking to two footwear manufacturers right now about building our electronics into their uh, products. And one is even advancing where we're making prototypes in their footbed of putting our sensor pod there. So we're already in it. Um, and I feel like that's only going to um, accelerate. And then what I would think is going to happen is you're going to have one of the top five big apparel companies, or maybe more on the healthcare side too, that is going to realize that what we've built, it would cost them $200 million to go and recreate it. They wanted to build it, test it, and build the damn set. And they don't have the time for that. So there's a part of me that thinks that we would be a prime acquisition target, although that's yeah. not how we're building the company. But I do believe that that would make a logical decision for a board um, from one of the big players, for sure.
0: Absolutely. No, absolutely. And I want you to talk about that because you talked about, I, you're essentially saying I'm not building the company to sell it, but if the price is right? Of (laughs) course. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. (laughs) And they always talk about, you know, serial entrepreneurs versus repeat entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that have four, five, six different businesses and they're all running. But I think I think one of the main goals as an entrepreneur is to be able to sell and exit and then go and do it all over again. How do you what kind of mindset do you have to like? Based on that, my original question that, hey, look, I'm building this company regardless. Like, I'm going to take this thing as far as I can. Totally. But if the paycheck looks good enough, we'll take it. it. It's two different things, but I understand it. But from your, your, your point of view, can you help explain how you continue to have a vision for the company, knowing that there's a good chance that someone could come knocking at your door in the next six months, a year, two years, wanting totally. to
1: buy you? So- Yeah, I think our vision, though, doesn't change. So let's say that I'm running towards building the most advanced, smart shoe with analytics that basically the shoe is watching me, how I move, giving me recommendations and feedback on how to advance my performance, stay healthy, and possibly predict injuries, right? Flags me, say, hey, look, you need to literally not go out tomorrow. You're probably going to rupture an ACL. That vision that we're going after is where we're going after. And I think when a company buys us, if they do, it's to exercise that vision still. So I think the vision is still the same. I just think along the path, like, like if I'm driving to LA from Vancouver and someone buys us when we're in Sacramento, we're still going to go to LA. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're still going, the, the trip's still happening, mm. but it might be under Plantiga is now some like smart insole division of company X in Vancouver with 50 employees, you know? So I think that it is like, I don't think when someone would buy, I think I'd very much still be doing the same position, running the same group, advancing the same things, just might be under the guise of some other umbrella. Again, they wanted to give us $300 million. I'd take it. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Like I do think what we're building is like, like I can't see anyone around that's doing anything like it, especially when it comes to the predictive analytics. Like that's where it's at you know, hardware is literally secondary. Yeah, even data, who fucking cares about yep. ground own contact time? Tell me how I'm doing. Am I getting better? Am I getting worse? Do you think I'm going to get injured? How can I optimize? Like people don't care about data. They care about what the hell it means. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like we're, we're definitely making some waves there. So yeah, Absolutely. that's kind of how I I, I recognize, I don't think the, I don't think that vision changes. I think it's always Absolutely. much the
0: same. Absolutely. I love the way that you put that. If we're going to Vancouver, if we're going to LA from Vancouver, we get picked up by a Hey, we're still going to LA.
1: We're still going to, to LA. We're just, we're just you know, in a bigger a car. Brand now. on the car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're just in a bigger car now.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. I
1: have more money to do what I want. You know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to Plantigo, man. AI powered health monitoring. Um whew. You guys are doing some great things. Um, I do have a couple of more questions as we, as we swindle through here. Um, uh, where is it in here? Um, business is often built on passion around yep. an idea, right? Where did the idea of Plantiga come from? Like where did the name come from?
1: Yeah, no, that's good. So I actually found this with my father. So my dad passed away three years ago, right when our company... Thank you, right when our company was really starting to get some customers and really started to uh, take off. So my dad's name, uh, Norman, that's actually the name of our AI is my dad's name, which is Brad. Oh, um, wow,
0: my dad was tough. a
1: biomechanist, thank you. My dad was a biomechanist and a product guy. So he always knew that building sensors in shoes, but really going after ground reaction force uh, data was blue sky opportunities. And going back 10 years ago, we were making prototypes with load cells, which you get these force plates in shoes that were like massive and clunky, but we kind of were pushing that. So I'm fortunate that I joined up with my father, but all of the ideations, his names on our patents, a lot of that was him. So he just got sick with prostate cancer and passed away and death is the worst in that. I mean, anyone that's lost anyone, it just sucks. Yeah, the The solace I take is I get to work on something that we started in my parents house. And now there's an office and a big team and customers wow. and, you know, so it kind of came from that. And uh, it means a lot to me. And it definitely gets me up and we're doing stuff and stuff is being realized that me and my dad spoke about 10 years ago, even like some of those predictive algorithms on being able to like, look at like a knee health score or you know, like track an ACL injury. Like we can do that now. And that was literally wow. us talking 10 years ago when I was in my mid twenties. And my dad was like, look, this is what this stuff can do. So that's, uh, that's wow. where it came from. And now I'm basically a pseudo applied sports scientist. Like I have read so much re- research, have conducted enough of our own um, research that I can definitely speak that language with any sports scientist at any team, uh, and it's a big passion, um, of mine. So.
0: Got it. That, that, that is, that is, that is amazing. Wow. Um, and that's definitely a story to, to tell. Uh, I'm totally. sure he's definitely, he's definitely, you know, um, trying down on you and smiling oh. very, very big man. Like you're making him proud, man. You're making him proud. And, and totally. I, I know, I think so, I know
1: too.
0: you're going to, you're going to do some great things, man. You're going to answer a lot of questions and, and change the way we look at our feet.
1: No, we're changing. People don't know how they move. They like, the way that we move, like, I think, and my dad thought too, like, we have movement vitals is kind of how we look at it. You have like, vitals of how you, your heart rate, your blood pressure, but the way that you move, those are health markers that are not monitored right now. Right? When, you, when, when you're in pain, you see your grandma in pain, you see she's walking slower you see, you can see it, whether it's our parents or an athlete. And where we feel like we want to drive that is that the way that we move is intimately connected to our health. And right now, nothing really measures like we do step count and some basic stuff. nothing out there actually okay. measures the way my limbs move, how I walk, how I like, we don't look at the biomechanics. And that's where I do feel like we can impact millions of people. Um, you know, in four or five years. Like that's the goal is to be tracking every day, millions of people with our backbone of hardware, electronics and insights. That's the goal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's crazy because, you know, what you're talking about, you know, I've dealt with, you know, I, uh, college athlete, he's probably never going to be an NBA player, but love the game, like no totally. tomorrow. And, uh, It wasn't until I got to college. And when I got to college, um, I thought I knew what hard work was. And then I got to college and, you know, preseason training is we're running sprints and running up hills. And I'm like, why are we doing all this? Like, this is, this is so much. At that point, I realized I have a bad hip. My hip flexors off. So I go, go to the chiropractor. They're like, yeah, your, your hips are off, but all they did was like, give me stimulation. I was like, yeah. what is, what, like, what is this doing? Like, give me some stretches, give me some exercises. So like you Just have a lot of, yeah, they didn't give me anything. So I ended up transferring, went to Laurier. Um, And even there, my hips started hurting and then my knee, oh Lord, my knee started to oh. kill. Um, and I'm like, what's going on? Because I've never been hurt before growing up, but now, why is my knee? Is it, you know, more impact? Is it the shoes? I start looking at everything. And the one thing that I found was, well, after I went and got an MRI was I have hip FAI, which means my hip, my, my uh, femur does not sock into my hip properly. Totally. Right? So yeah. on my left side, I had bad left hip, left knee, and I ended up breaking my left foot. So that's all from my hip. And this was just something that I was born with. And I wish Plantigo was around then totally to help did. me prolong my career. Now I'm happy yep. that I, you know, I put the ball down, but I, there's always that like, what if,
1: you know, there's always that thought in my head, what if, but like, that's such a good story though. Cause it's not even just the playing the ball. You're now going to deal with those issues from an orthopedic musculoskeletal sense for the rest of your life, dude. So like what, what, what any of your doctors didn't know, what that team didn't know is had they just looked at the, like probably gross asymmetries that you had, like you probably might've staved off or prevented the knee aggravation, which Mm -hmm. then might've staved off or prevented breaking your foot. So like, yes, you have this born hip issue, but there's so many things that we can do now with data to mitigate that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. dude, I wish you did have it. And I wish there's a generation that comes after us where they can get testing and baselining. Cause remember, like I go into a team, we just sold an NCAA team. not going to say their name. Mm -hmm. I asked them, like, do you have baseline data on how any of your guys move? And they've said, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a questionnaire. I don't know how they move. I don't know how they run. I don't know how they jump. Like, wow. That is literally Mm -hmm. where we want to come in. Wow. The world needs to know how they move.
0: Bro, you're gonna you're gonna change the world, my man. You're going <laughs> Thanks, to change the world. That's exciting stuff.
1: We're working on it.
0: Definitely exciting stuff. Um, well, I guess my last question is is in and around. How do you balance it all? You know, as an entrepreneur, you're, you're traveling, working, managing a team, taking care of your son, um, probably making music. How yeah. do you balance it all? What is your self care tip? Like, how do you take care of Quinn?
1: Oh, I wish I did it more. I it was so I, I journal every day. Um, I only can process things by writing it out. I, there's, there, there's no other way. And I was writing notes. So I feel like I need to work on my health more. Honestly, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, am just kind of a, a workaholic. So I'll work mm-hmm. like, you know, 10 hours in the day, come home bath time. And then I'll like whip, 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 open my laptop. The thing that to answer your question is I don't do the best job of it. I don't. And I know that, um, I grew up in a very spiritual family. My parents meditated and followed the spiritual teacher from, from India. So I feel like I don't meditate enough. And every time I meditate, I feel grounded. I feel centered. I feel my blood pressure go down. So I just was kind of taking notes and journaling how I need to meditate more. I went for a big gym workout this morning, like heavyweights. It was awesome. I need to work out more. Um, but that's about it. Like I, I do feel like I balance family and work well, but I don't feel like I put my health, um, I don't feel like I put my health as much up that list as I can. Uh, And that's what I sell too, which is like a weird, ironic conundrum. Mm. So my answer is I'm going to get better. Let's check in in six months or a year. But I feel (laughs) like the last couple of weeks have been good. But I just felt like I was working a lot and putting Quinn like further down the list. Look after the family, the wife, this. And then it's like, oh, now it's ten o'clock at night. I'm exhausted because I've been up since five thirty, and I never went to the gym. Never worked out. I never meditated. You know, so I'm working on it. I'm going to get Absolutely. better.
0: Absolutely, love that. Hey, being honest with ourselves is super, super important. And totally. um, what you guys are building here, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. And you guys are Canadian, so even better oh, story to tell.
1: Thank you. Um, yeah. Any last
0: thoughts for our entrepreneurs that are listening?
1: Um. I think we live in a world in Canada, which is very almost adverse to entrepreneurs. So my, so back to the San Francisco thing, the thing you get when you go to the U S if you're down there doing a pitch and you're not saying that you want to change the world, they'll be like, who is this guy? Like, Mm. and in Canada, if you say you want to change the world, they think you're being arrogant, but down Mm. there, if you don't say it, they don't think you know what you're doing. So I feel like any entrepreneur that is listening, I feel like we need to be bold. You need to be ambitious. You need to think that you can change the world. And especially in Canada, we have a lot of like, you know, you need to be polite. You have to be polite and show compassion. But you need to hustle and you need to have the confidence to feel like what you can do will be big. And not just big in Canada, big in the U.S., and big internationally. So, you know, just don't let anyone clamp down on that ambition. Anyone that does, you tell them to fuck off. Even if it's your parents, like, just remove the bad energy. You gotta focus on the good shit. And if you feel like you're passionate and you love what you're doing, you just need to stick with that. Don't listen to anybody. That's what I would Yo, say. Yo, bro,
0: you're crazy. I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh man,
1: <laughs> quid. No, so thank you so much. Thank Quint. you so much. Thanks for, so much for joining dude, us today for for, for having me athletes groups rad great to get to know the group and you and randy i just uh, i i uh, appreciate everything this has been great
0: no problem thank you so much